Hi, I'm Lauren Burdett, and you're listening to Life as Spiritual Practice, a podcast where we explore ways to experience ordinary life as ways to connect with the divine. If you're feeling stuck in your spiritual journey, this might be the inspiration you've been looking for. You'll notice pauses and moments of silence in our conversation today, and they might feel awkward, but I invite you to receive the silence as an invitation to notice what the conversation is stirring up in your own soul. How is what you're hearing landing with you? I am delighted to introduce my conversation partner today, BJ Whitworth. BJ is married to Katrina and is the father of Kira, Elena, Alex, and Zach. He is the founding pastor of The Open Door, a 15-year-old PCUSA missionally contemplative church community in the East End of Pittsburgh. He is a spiritual director, church planting coach, and retreat leader. He's also an avid home brewer. BJ, welcome. Thanks, Lauren. Good to be in conversation with you this morning. I have been inspired by you over the years and the depth to which you experience brewing as a spiritual practice. And I am so intrigued to learn more about that today. Mm. So when, BJ, when did you start brewing? Um, A lot of people ask you that and I can't actually remember the Mm. actual date, but it's been about, it's been about 10 or 12 years. Mm. I know that my wife, Katrina, got me like the starter uh, home brewing kit for Christmas one year. Um, So yeah, it's been, it's been a decade at least. Yeah. Yeah. And did, when you started, um, well, what was it like? What was it like for you when you started? Well, I've always loved beer. Um, Mm. Well, that's not true. I haven't always loved beer. uh, In, I would say, yeah, in the last 25 years, uh, Mm. I've come to love the taste of beer and particularly the emergence of the craft brewing industry and Mm. the diversity of beer. And I had a local pub that I used to hang out at a lot called the Sharp Edge Mm. and um, a handful of friends there who, you know, we would geek out on beer. They were also home brewers. And I just thought, uh, it sounds like a lot of work um, mm. when you have all this great beer, you know, professionally made by, um, you know, professional brewers. Yeah. Um, but a, a particular friend of mine kept saying, oh, you should do it. I think you'd really like it. And uh, somehow Katrina um, caught wind of that and, and then got me the, the equipment to begin with. Um, so, yeah, the first couple, you know, batches, the first couple experiences of it. Mm-hmm. Um, where they turned out really well. And I just all of a sudden found that it was this space uh, as a person involved in uh, relationships and in ministry. It was this space of doing something that was um, creative. Um, It required a lot of attention to detail, um, which I enjoy. Uh, it, it It required a lot of precision and thinking. Mm. Uh, and then the end result was uh, really tasty and enjoyable. And you had five gallons of it to share with others. Um, mm. So that was just, you know, that and all that began, you know, in the kitchen. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I remember just beginning right away to enjoy the process. It sounds, I heard in what you said, just a sense of every step, that every step along the way was um, was more enjoyable than you'd anticipated. Yes. Yeah. I mean, moments of stress in the midst of it, because I tend towards wanting to get things right. Uh, and I remember the first brew uh, calling my friend Catherine multiple times during the brewing process, you know, mm. asking her questions. What should I do when this happens? Oh my gosh, this is happening. Is this supposed to happen? Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of stress <laughs> and anxiety around, you know, getting it right um, and wanting it to do it well. Um, but as I gave myself permission to explore and realize there's a lot of room for freedom and creativity mm. uh, and trusting the, the process that ultimately is outside of my control, that is like the fermentation mm. um, that helped me over time to really relax and lean into the, to the creativity of it. Mm. I hear in that, you know, that the control and the lack of control, right? I mm -hmm. hear in that, that there's kind of a dance with brewing of yes. there's so much that you do and then there's so much that you can't do that's just out of your control. And yep. Yeah, it, um, it really, that, that phrase that you use, like, uh, so much that you can control and so much that you can't control. Mm. I think I really enjoy both aspects mm. of that in brewing and see such a parallel to the spiritual life. You know, we can create the space, we can take time, we can light a candle, we can close the door. Um, but ultimately that space is submitting to a process that is outside of our control. Yeah. Um, so there's great intentionality in brewing and great like trust. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, at, an, at the end of the actual brew day, uh, submission to uh, the natural and organic process of fermentation, mm -hmm. um, which I cannot control. You know, I can create the conditions, the best conditions possible, um, but I can't control it. Yeah. Hmm. In um, in Martin Laird's book, I think Into the Silent Land, he uses the analogy of sailing for the spiritual mm -hmm. life, and that you know we can we can ready our sails, that there are things we can do, um, mm -hmm. but we cannot create the wind. Yes. And I, I hadn't made that connection to brewing. And I think how, how cool to have that embodied kind of playing out over time experience. Yeah, I hadn't made that connection either. I've, I've read that book and heard that quote. Mm -hmm. um, it, it reminds me of, uh, I, I ended up teaching a course um, at Pittsburgh Seminary called Brew Like a Monk. Mm. And we used um, Esther DeWall's book, Lost mm. in Wonder. And she uh, says, you know, I, I think like uh, 
brewing uh, is, you know, we played with that title and called it spiritual fermentation, mm. um, is creating space for God to work. And, and Esther Dewall says, uh, for it is in the spaces of silence, reflection, and prayer that God will be at work. Mm. And how can we possibly know what that will bear fruit of? So whatever happens or does not happen, it is in God's hands. And I, I, uh, I think that's true in our spiritual lives, and it's also true in the in the brewing process. Um, you dial in your your recipe. You uh, choose certain kinds of grains and malts. You you try to hit target temperatures for the grain to uh, do what it's supposed to do, adding particular hops and other flavors and water types. And, and yet at the end of the day, you pitch yeast into all that sugary goodness and trust mm -hmm. that the process will produce something fruitful, uh, pun intended. Yeah. What an, so that's, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, what an intriguing contrast. Um, because I hear in all those details, there's a lot that you're monitoring, you know, there's a lot of precision. It's not, um, it's not messy, it is creative, but it's planned, it's organized, it's, it's tightly controlled. And then, you know, you said, then you throw in the yeast and just, and let go and, trust and hope and suddenly there's this kind of black box around it of oh <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know I've I've only made two or three beers that have been pretty awful mm -hmm. um so there, I think there's another you know piece there too that <laughs> it's really just about showing up hmm. a lot of people ask me like oh isn't it hard and I said oh, it's really not that hard to brew if you pay attention to sterilization and you pay attention to what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, and you know, you, it's pretty hard to mess it up. So there's this trust in the fermentation process um, that to me, you know, obviously you're creating, you know, want to create balanced beers and all those kinds of things, but even when it doesn't go perfectly well, which it never does, um, in terms of trying to hit uh, certain targets of temperature and targets of the gravity of the liquid and all that kind of stuff. You know, I never hit that exactly, um, mm. but it still works. You know, mm. the yeast still eats up all that sugar yeah. and creates um, a beautiful, tasty uh, beverage in the end. Mm. So like in the spiritual life, I, sometimes you wonder, you know, showing up for a 20 minute sit or heading out on a retreat or taking a day of Sabbath. Is this doing anything? Mm -hmm. Is there any there? Is there anything there? Um, and oftentimes it's hidden um, and you don't realize it until later. Um, but it's about returning to the practice and intentionality around the practice. Even when you don't feel like it. Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah. BJ, I, you know, I hear in this course that you teach that you've 
um, what do I want to say? I hear that you can really articulate brewing as a metaphor for the spiritual life. And I'm curious, did it start out as a spiritual practice for you? Or how did, and if not, kind of tell me about that, how it became a place of connection with God. Yeah. No, absolutely not. It didn't start out as a spiritual practice. Mm. I remember, let's see, it was probably like in 2007, I was taking, finish, still finishing up seminary and taking a course on Celtic Christianity, and we were invited to um, write a prayer about something ordinary mm. um, because the Celts were you know, famous for writing prayers about washing your face mm-hmm. and going to bed and um, over their garden um, and just really ordinary things. <clears throat> and it was beginning to contemplate the, I think you say it, triquetra, the Celtic knot of the three mm-hmm. in one that St. Patrick supposedly used to speak of the Trinity to the mm-hmm. Celtic people and seeing within that, oh, wow, look, this is, uh, this is barley, hops, and yeast. <laughs> three, the three main ingredients in in beer. Oh, wow. And when you add water, the three become one. You know. Mm. Uh, and at first, I thought, well, that's that's so cheesy, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I remember writing uh, a prayer about. Uh, uh, a beer about beer, a prayer to be said over the drinking of mm-hmm. beer. Mm. Um, and I still have it, you know, in a note, uh, on my phone and occasionally we'll, we'll pull it out, uh, in a moment of playfulness. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that that was the beginning, like, uh, to, um, begin to see, well, I guess through the couch, the spirituality of, of ordinary life, yeah. you know, because beer for many in, in the earlier civilizations was safer to drink than water. Mm. Um, so beer was a very common drink mm. um, for people to drink. Um, so just to see God's goodness uh, in, in, in that act of, um, of, a, of a created beverage. Mm. Um, and then I think further down the road in the, in the act of brewing, as I became more comfortable with the process and more familiar with it and confident in my skills in it, you know, a brew day, which can take, you know, six to seven hours Mm. with cleanup and all, it's a pretty boring day. Mm. (laughs) You know, you've, you, in my case, I brew in my neighbor's garage. So it's setting up the equipment, attaching the hoses, warming the water to the right temperature, putting the grains in the mash tun. And then you sit for 60 minutes and wait for starch conversion to happen with hot water and grains. Occasionally, you know, if the temperature falls, you turn on heat to warm, keep it the same temperature, but you're literally sitting. And in my case, I'm sitting in an empty garage by myself often. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you move uh, the what, what's called the wart, um, 
you begin to rinse the grains and that's another 60 minutes of just a slow process. Mm -hmm. And then another 60 to 90 minutes after that of boiling, you're adding hops during that process. So there's just a lot of pauses mm -hmm. and a lot of stillness uh, in the brewing process itself. Um, that, you know, you, you can occupy your mind or you can just be present to what's going on in the moment. So it's a very slow, quiet day that all of a sudden in the midst of that, I began to just realize that this gentle attentiveness to detail and the playful, creative process of creating something to later be enjoyed by yourself mm. and friends is really beautiful mm. um, process. Mm -hmm. And it quieted and slowed me down in my own self. Mm. I could imagine. I can imagine how boring and challenging those early brew days must have been until if you're not ready to meet that silence as a, um, as an invitation, um, mm -hmm. it'd be, it'd be really hard. Mm -hmm. Was silence already a part of your spiritual life? Yeah, I would say, <clears throat> again, I'm not real clear on the chronology of everything, but yeah, definitely, you know, if I go back to, you know, 2007, 2010, there was an, a deep emergence happening simultaneously with my own practices mm. um, of time in stillness in the morning, uh, a very committed practice of Sabbath and trying to quiet mm. my ever active mind and the things that need, need to be done in a particular day in a particular week, in a particular season. Um, and we did have four very young kids. Um, mm. But I think at that point when I was brewing and perhaps being intentional, more, more intentional about the contemplative way and silence, mm. um, they were in school. So there was time during the middle of the day, particularly on Sabbath days, which is 90% of the time when I brew also mm. um, where silence was, yeah, kind of almost craved, mm. uh, especially in that space with four young kids yeah. um, and a, a new church uh, emerging out of my vocational life. Um, so, yeah, just, I'm sure it was, uh, it's hard to look back and to remember the struggle. Mm. And I'm sure that it was much more of a struggle because um, still today, and this is true in those pauses in the brewing process, my tendency is to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, flip on a podcast mm. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, tidy up my neighbor's garage because he lets me use it for free, like give something to him mm. as a gift um, rather than just sit and be still mm. um, as a you know, most likely a, a lifelong struggle for, for this human being mm. um, to choose a moment to be still and quiet and attentive to what is mm -hmm. rather than use the margin that exists in a moment 
mm-hmm. um, while the grains are steeping um, to do something more productive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think probably there's this parallel journey that happened in my own life of the actual intentional practices of silence and solitude and stillness and then brewing and going, oh, look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here's 60 minutes where all I have to do is sit. <laughs> how could I do that in a different way? Mm. Um, how could I be present to the beauty that's happening inside that stainless steel pot? Yeah. And just contemplating that. Mm. Mm. And I hear um, both the invitation and the gift of that silence and and the challenge of it. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you saying, I still will listen to a podcast or I will still tidy my neighbor's garage in that sense of um, that the challenge remains and that that is okay, that that is the way Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of our recent conversation where we named our frustration with how much of um, spiritual resources and spiritual talk suggests that there's a destination that you can arrive and that the reality is that it's a relationship that continues to unfold with highs and lows. And Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Ups and downs, cycling around familiar places. In, you know, within that, within the gift and the challenge and and these years, these years of practice. What, 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 what has God revealed to you of who God is? Mm. That's a great question. Mm. I mean, the word that naturally comes to mind is love. Mm. And this flow of love, Mm. this energy of love that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mm. just pouring, pouring out into the universe and pouring out into me Mm. and and an invitation and desire for God to share that love Mm. and an invitation to participate in that love, Mm. the energy of that love. And, and that's in those, in those moments of, of stillness, in those moments of pause, it's very, it's very captivating. Mm. It's very fulfilling and energizing. Mm. In particular, the invitation to to dwell in it and to mm-hmm. to sit in it and to steep in it, to ferment in it, if you will, um, to rest in it. Mm. And I, I think that that has been a pretty significant transformation uh, for me of understanding God as uh, one who invites me to um, 
dwell and participate in the love that God has within God's self mm. and is pouring out and spinning out into the universe versus a God who uh, you know invites me to do things on God's behalf mm. to serve to give not that those things don't happen now but that it's just a different starting point mm-hmm. um, for me mm. so you know that that it's interesting there's lots of new thoughts coming into my mind mm. about brewing you know that that there's a there's a phrase in brewing called the rest which is when uh, the grains are essentially soaking in 150 some degree hot water and that's where the starch conversion happens so there's this beautiful image that uh, you know has come to me through brewing that it's in resting that conversion happens mm. It's in being still, mm. being in the hot water of the love of God, if you will, yeah. where change and transformation begins to happen, which, you know, mm. facilitates uh, the ongoing process in the actual brew day of the end result of enough sugar being available for that yeast to, mm. to eat up um, and do God's magic of fermentation Mm. there's such intimacy in that Mm. and in what you've uh, in what you've seen of who god is and that that idea of love and um you know i'm imagining myself in that garage and it feels like such a holy space Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I had had my eyes closed when I was saying all that and imagining myself sitting on that stool in the garage, <laughs> mm. waiting. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's been such a needed space in a in a full and busy and loud life. You know, particularly when the kids were young mm-hmm. and the church was new and so many threads right like there was so much happening in your life around you and to have a space that is just this process Mm -hmm. to move through slowly Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm. yeah absolutely and and like the spiritual life if you're wired like i am another challenge to it is that you know it feels selfish mm. taking time for myself mm-hmm. on, on the brew day itself you know it's, it's literally a, a full day you know nine to three to do what to make beer mm. <laughs> um really you need more beer in the world um i could just go down the street and buy really good beer mm. So giving myself permission to experience the joy of creating something. Yeah. Experience, you know, that was the initial part, but then it just kept, has so many layers to it of coming to life. Mm -hmm. The space, the stillness, the the work of my body, like Mm -hmm. I'll be 50 next year. And, you know, 
lifting up these brewing kettles at the end of the day when you have to clean them, you know, mm-hmm. I walk into my house at 3.30 on my day off and I'm physically tired, but it's good tired, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. having exerted physical energy. Much of ministry life is spiritual, emotional, relational energy. Yeah. So, you know, it's just continues to unfold with gift but there is the challenge of convincing oneself that a hobby that has become a spiritual practice is a worthwhile time of investment yeah not unlike uh, 20 minutes of prayer in the morning or a full day's sabbath or a, a three-day retreat convincing oneself that that is uh, time well spent Mm. and important to our overall health and wholeness uh, as human beings in this world. Mm -hmm. I have that voice too, that voice that says, oh, I don't know that, you know, what's the point? I don't know that this is worth it. Is this the best use of your time? Aren't you needed? Don't the kids need you downstairs more than you need to sit here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And what what has it done for you over time to engage in this practice that it is deeply meaningful and it has this frivolous quality to it, right? This playful, unnecessary quality to it of what has it done for you to give yourself permission to be playful? Yeah, I think... Like life is more than more life is more than productivity. Mm, like mm. I think that that's been that's been a massive part of the conversion of rest. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest in the brewing process. The purpose there is to convert starch into sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and without successful rest, uh, a full conversion of all the sugars in the grain, if that doesn't happen your targeted gravity will be low and your fermentation will be lackluster and your Mm. beer will not be what you wanted it to be. Mm. So I don't know. I have this, I, I, I struggle with this relationship like of rest or, you know, I'm using that word synonymous with like solitude, stillness, silence, these spiritual practices, because I feel like the invitation for me has always been like, don't see it as a means to an end. Mm. Like you don't do this so that you can become better in the world. Mm. You do this because the Trinity, the divine love is inviting you to just simply be, and there is value in being and resting. Right. Yeah. And yet (laughs) there is conversion transformation that happens in the rest. Mm-hmm. So, so the challenge I, I hear in that, you know, the invitation is to, you know, that you actually know that there's great fruit that is born mm-hmm. from it. And yet the challenge is to keep your gaze on, on the moment, on the intimacy that's unfolding within the moment. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that's a particular challenge for me, you know, in my personality mm-hmm. structure. You know, that I'm, I'm very motivated by 
effectiveness and success and productivity and efficiency and find a sense of my identity in that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the thought of someone just wanting to spend time with me, hard stop, is new <laughs> mm. and, and deeply moving as well. Because I think in my relationship to others and therefore in my relationship to God is uh, I'm invited into relationship in order to do something for that person, to be productive together, to accomplish a task mm. together. Mm. And so the invitation to simply be and do something together that is simply the purpose of joy is it's a it's a purification process it's a transformative process of what human and divine interaction actually is about mm. and as you said yet there is this fruit there is this change there is mm. this transformation that happens as we enter into the space with god soaking in the hot water, you know, of the, uh, yeah. of the mash tun in the brewing process, which then, you know, it, it, it's this cycle that you talked about. It's not a destination. We keep uh, returning back to the outcome. Then it's the, a deeper and further invitation for more, you know, mm not because of what it's producing, at least that's my experience, is because it's so wonderfully good to simply be with God. Mm. And I can't in, in many ways get enough of it in that bracketed time. And then though the, the transformation deepens and furthers, I'm moving my head in a circle as I'm saying that. Um, mm. and, and then you all of a sudden start to encounter it in the non-bracketed times in the in mm -hmm. the walking to work uh in the encounter of a uh, conversation with a friend you haven't seen in a long time and noticing the change of the leaves on the trees all of a sudden everything is alive and holy uh, and enchanted and god's presence is everywhere um, mm. but it begins by taking time <laughs> to rest to be still to quiet mm -hmm the chattering mind um, in the presence of God. That was a really long rabbit trail. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful though. And I heard that connection between receiving the profound gift of God saying, I just want to be with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to be with you. And, and then that spilling out, you know, and, and look, look at the leaves which aren't asking you to do anything and which are simply there to be received mm -hmm. in their beauty and in this encounter with a friend and, and this walk. And, um, but it is a spilling out. I, I hear that it takes that, it takes that time, intentional, long time. And, and that sounds like such a gift of the brewing process that it is, you can't make it shorter. Nope. Yep. In fact, that was, that's that's good because like patient. I think patience is uh, 
one of the fruit that's come from brewing for me. You know, there's just so much rest and waiting and patience in the brewing process. You mash and wait 60 minutes. You rinse the grains 60 minutes. You boil 60 minutes. You have to cool the liquid, which takes another 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you ferment. And that can be two weeks to five months, um, Mm. you know, depending on what kind of beer you're making. And then you're waiting you know, and then you carbonate the beer and that can take, you know, depending on how you carbonate a couple days or a couple weeks learning and making mistakes. And so there's this patience to, uh, you can't rush to tasting the beer and getting the beer. Um, And there are certain kinds of beer like wine that they get better with time and age, you know. So this this idea of, of patience, this in our in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. it can't be hurried. Yeah, which is an easy thing to say and a hard thing to live. Yeah, yeah, yep. Patient with these unresolved things in our lives, living the questions, as Rilke says. Mhm. And that it then leads to leads to community. You know that this long slow process and this um long slow patient uh contemplative process you've said a couple times and then you have something you can share with friends. Mm-hmm. That feels significant as well, you know, that yeah. That feels like an extension for me of the metaphor of brewing for the spiritual. Absolutely. Yeah. You you named the the final the final session in my class. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. Uh, the end result of brewing is, you know, beauty, goodness, and community. Mm. And even just to think, I know we have a very mixed relationship with alcohol in our culture but Mm. uh in in a in a book about where the idea of the third place comes from you know people's first place is home and second place is work and a third place is where community happens Mm. to study of coffee shops and pubs and beer gardens but in the book and he calls alcohol the the social lubricant Mm, mm. (laughs) and so there is this beauty that gets created around the healthy and good use of uh, a really good beer Mm. Um, it gathers people together Uh, and I I might get in trouble for this but I think alcohol also can you know loosen our tongues Mm. relax us and even in make conversation even fuller and richer um, again used properly um, mm-hmm. but yeah it, it it does create community and I think even when it's a, mm-hmm. something you've made um, I love to to geek out um, with with people mm-hmm. around the process and talk about the types of grains that are in there and the flavors I was shooting for and um, you know the season mm-hmm. that we're in why you're making these kinds of beer in this kind of season in the world and so yeah, it's it's definitely a communal engagement, you know, moving us 
outward. Um, so yeah, spot on with that. And how good to be entering those conversations from that place of having received, well, receiving, to be receiving the sense of um, rest and invitation into intimacy. And so to be coming into them from what feels like a more centered place, right? Not that place of what do you need me to do? What can I do? But just centered and grounded in yourself and Absolutely. Yeah, I'm more authentically mm-hmm. myself. You know, yeah. Change has happened. Mm. From that, oh, I forget exactly how you said it, but from that hot bath yeah. of God's love. Yeah. Love Technically called the mash. It looks like, it looks like a giant mash. pot of oatmeal if you were to look at it. And just soaking in that space, Mm. resting in that space. I think you named well in your description of um, how alcohol in its ordered place can be a, can, can help the flow of conversation and can help the flow of relationship. And I think we often think of, um, beer and wine as, as distractions, as, Mm. yeah, as, as distractions, as things that cover up Mm. or that we turn to, to kind of like escape Mm -hmm. as ways to escape. And, and so I'm really intrigued by this. I'm really intrigued by what is it like though, if you open that up to, to its ordered potential, you know, what is it like if you open up the possibility of connecting with God, you know, if instead of it being an escape, it's, a, mm. it's an opening. Mm. So you're saying in a sense that, that the good beer is an opening for social engagement and conversation, not yeah. a, a, an unhealthy coping mechanism or escape. Similarly, the spiritual life is in uh, the practices of, Silence, solitude, and stillness are openings and not escapes. We're not running away from the world and the problems of the world or our own problems to simply remove ourselves from the world, but actually we're opening ourselves up to to God and God's work, to God's love um, Mm. that then transforms us, changes us. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I agree, and um, I was I was having coffee with someone yesterday, and, and they got there early. They were there before me, and they were reading the newspaper. And the person said to me, "You know, he said, BJ, you, you told me a long time ago that you're a contemplative. Like, how how often do you read the news?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, "Not very often, to be honest with you. I just can't handle it." Mm-hmm. Um, but we. Did, you know, then entered into this conversation of is the contemplative path a, a removal from, uh, and this person used to work in, in Louisville, so we were reflecting together on Merton's experience mm-hmm. of standing at the street corner in the middle of Louisville, mm-hmm. um, where he became aware of his deep love for all of these strangers and all of the noise. Um, so yeah, I do think, uh, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to actually deeper 
compassion, more informed uh, and directed service of the world. Mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that definitely has been part of my path is that I um, I'm surrounded by three lovely men uh, in my life who are an environmental activist, a economic mm-hmm. social justice activist, and a racial justice activist, three other pastor friends. And mm-hmm. I often feel overwhelmed by <clears throat> their passion for that. And yet um, asking myself, you know, what is my role? Because yeah. um, it's that's not my path. Um, so it's an invitation to find your um, place in um, transformation of the world. Um, and so it's been a slow journey to be able to come to name what my place and my role is. I will be less on the front lines and more behind the scenes, um, more supporting through um, prayer and, and guidance and hopefully wisdom and um, providing spiritual comfort and strength to those who will be more on the front lines. Um, and that's been a, a long journey for me to even come to the place to be able to say that out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, still very passionate about those places of injustice and brokenness mm-hmm. in God's world, um, but trying to be more comfortable in being who I am in that space. Um, and it's been through those practices that the invitation has come to be more fully involved in human community and the church community and finding my place Mm. um, there. As you were describing your role, I, um, I just heard so many parallels with brewing and that sense of your opening. It sounds to me like your opening way for people and and I hear that it's um that it's taken time to name that that it's hard to name that when we are faced with when we are in the time that we are in it is um challenging to name that your role is is in the background and and that is so needed right like and Yeah, we need avenues for the Holy Spirit to flow to the people on the front line. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me personally, it's, it's, it's been in the creation of the space, whether 20 minutes in the morning or Sabbath or retreat, mm-hmm. the the voices of affirmation and that is my place mm-hmm. come a life verse for me is uh, you know Isaiah 30 and turning and rest mm-hmm. is your strength and quietness and trust um, in, in, in returning and rest you shall be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength mm-hmm. So that's just a different way of being in the world for me. Yeah. Mm. And for whatever reason, I 
didn't always know that. Mm. I felt like I was supposed to be someone else or tried to be someone else. Mm. So it's really coming to a place of being content with who you are mm. and your role in the world. Mm. Learning and receiving your um, your place in the dance. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, um, you said earlier that being sent, you know, and I kind of pictured somebody grabbing your shoulders and, and placing you somewhere and, you know, mm-hmm. do this, be this. And, but just as you are learning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And for whatever reason with me, it's, it's, it's so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like the more I learn about myself, I'm like, it's so intriguing to me that this is the path. That because silence and stillness are just being is so counterintuitive to your personality type. Yes, yes, indeed. And yet it's been this deep salve in my life too. Mm -hmm. This place of... Mm, undescribable uh, love, mm-hmm. you know, undescribable acceptance. That's the word. Mm. Just pure, unadulterated, un, nothing attached to performance of acceptance mm. for who I am, which is then empowering to be who I am in the world. Yeah. Which feels, as you said, at, at this time in which we sit in the world, feels very counterintuitive, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be um, quiet and to be hidden and to be not on the front lines. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's... I think that dynamic is probably true for all of us that what we most need and most yearn for and um, is also is probably also one of the things that's hardest for us to accept or to give us permission to seek, you know, is, you know, oh, this is, um, this isn't effective. This isn't what I need to be doing. This isn't, you know, this is selfish. Um, and, and it's what my heart is longing for the most is that rest, is that mm-hmm. sense of just being and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So that might be a place I'm just thinking if I was listening to this podcast, the invitation might be to listen or notice what are, what are the things that you'd like to do, but you think would be, oh, that you think would be silly or that you think would be a waste of time or that you think people will think are selfish. Um, yeah. And yeah, that might be a place to start to play. Yeah. It is. I think play is a good word. Mm. It seems like wasting time. 
you know, these things. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have this quote in front of me, you know, from Thomas Merton. He said um, that while there is need for effort, deepening and transformation, it is most important not to undertake any special project of self-transformation mm-hmm. or some attempt to, quote, work on myself, but rather just go for walks, mm-hmm. live in peace, and let change come quietly and invisibly on the inside. Mm. I mean, there's, <laughs> I have like a, like a split reaction to that. Like, I'm like, oh yes, that sounds so wonderful. And then there's another problem. It's like, are you kidding me? Just go for walks? Yeah. So that, ten- that tension mm-hmm. of don't take on a human, you know, the work of transforming and making myself better, like simply go for a walk and let change come quietly and invisibly on the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's beautiful and hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's also brewing. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say. That's what I heard was, oh, there's yeah. that fermentation again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What so that that's the question is what what helps you to settle down and allow fermentation to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I have to read since you're coming back to fermentation. I have to give this great quote about fermentation mm-hmm. from Michael Pollan because it's so mm-hmm. spiritual in nature. But he he says a ferment generates its own energy from within. It not only seems alive, it is alive. Mm. And most of this living takes place at a scale inaccessible to us without a microscope. Mm. (laughs) The mysterious bubbling life forces, microorganisms at work collaboratively in ways that transcend our human understanding. Mm. Is that not the spiritual life? Yeah. You know? And in my in my story, it to use your word, it, it the real the realization, the discovery of this came by doing something playful. Mm. Something that really doesn't need to have ha- to happen in the world. We don't really need more beer in the world, do we? Mm. <laughs> it's it's playful, it's uh extra it's yeah non-essential non-essential thank you that's the word yeah Yeah. and yet that's the space of change and transformation Mm -hmm. you know i'm feeling for you yeah then how that has loosened your grip on Mm -hmm. yeah on performance essential Mm -hmm. yep yes Absolutely. BJ, that feels like a good place to close for me. Yeah. Was there, but was there, I agree. Okay. Was there anything you wanted to share that you didn't get to? Mm. No, I think that's good. Okay. It went in places and spaces that I didn't expect, but that's fun. Mm-hmm. Perhaps 
the podcast itself is an example of that for, for me, mm. at least. Just we just we just went on a walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for exploring with us today. You can find links to resources BJ mentioned, as well as the quotes that he used in our show notes. I hope today's conversation inspires you to play with spiritual practices in your life and maybe look for those things that that your mind is telling you are selfish and to wonder about how it might be a portal for you of connection. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please like, um, subscribe, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. This will help other listeners to find us. Our music is by the band This Side of Eve. You can find this song and all of their music at thissideofeve.bandcamp.com. I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new conversation. Thanks again.